the laws of borrowing and lending. Uh, continuing the topic of liens, and we're up to Perik Chaf, chapter twenty, halacha Aleph. So, what is a lien exactly? If I borrow money from you, yeah. Now, let's say a thousand dollars. Yeah. Now, a thousand dollars worth of my property is on lien to you. Okay. That means you're entitled okay. to a thousand dollars worth of my property. Okay. Now, hopefully, I may have a thousand dollars worth of own, worth of property. Yeah. So, no specific item, no specific piece of property. But $1,000 of my assets is on lien to you. Okay. Now, if I go and sell items to other people, yeah. those things which are on lien to you are now by them. Okay. So they didn't borrow from you, but the items are still on lien to you. Okay. So if you come to collect from me and I have no money, and I, then you can go to those people and say, excuse me, those properties are on lien to me. I'm taking that as a repayment. Because okay. you, bought, you bought the property from Levy, and Levy owed me money. That's a, that's a lien. Somebody who owed, owed multiple people. He borrowed from a lot of guys. Whoever he borrowed from first, he has the rights to extract the property first, right? So I borrowed yeah. from you, I borrowed from somebody else, then I sold a piece of property to him. You both want to grab it from him as repayment. Yeah. But you come first because you lent him to me first and he comes second. So it's not enough for both of you. You have first, you have first rights. And it's not relevant when the date requirement to pay back was. What's relevant was when did the loan happen? Mm-hmm. That's true whether or not you're coming to take the property from me directly you, or to the person you, I sold to. You borrowed, right? Correct. Yeah. And that's true whether you're coming, whether you two people who I borrowed from are coming to take property from me yeah. or to the guy I sold to. It's irrelevant. Whoever... Lent first okay. has first rights. However, if the guy who has second rights only jumps the line and he grabs the property, uh, yes, yeah, so if he does that, uh, not however, if he gra- jumps the line and grabs the property, we take it away from him, we say, excuse me, you have first rights, we take it away from him, we give it to you. Whoever had, whoever's debt was, whoever lent the money first, he has first rights to the property. When is this true? We're talking about a case where at the time I borrowed from you and the time I borrowed from him, I had a piece of property. So I borrowed from you, now there's a, piece, there's a lien on my property. Yeah. I borrowed the next week from him, there's a lien on my property to him. But first, the lien was to you, and therefore you have first rights. However, if after borrowing from you and then after borrowing from him, I bought another piece of property from, from somebody else, I bought, I purchased a piece of property. Then in that case, even though I wrote to both of you in, in the contract, in the borrowing contract, whatever I'm going to buy from in the future, is in, in, in debt or on, on lien to both of you. So uh, even though I wrote that to both of you, and, and, and seemingly I obligated myself to you first, because I borrowed from you first then yeah. to him, but the fact is, I didn't have the property yet, this particular piece of property. So, Ain Behend and Kadima, nobody has first rights. They both have equal rights. So, because at the time I, at the time I, lent, I borrowed from at the time I borrowed from you two people, neither of you two had a lien to that property because I didn't own it yet. Yeah. The moment I purchased the property, it became on lien to both of you because now it's, 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 it's an asset that can be used to pay you back. Yeah. But it became a lien to both of you simultaneously, equally. So okay. nobody has first rights. Okay. Therefore, whoever comes first, whoever, whoever runs faster, gets it, even though maybe it's the other guy in this case who lent me afterwards. All right, base. Love of a cuss of life, a person borrows money and he writes to the lender in, in a contract, property that I buy in the future is going to be a lien to you. 
then he buys a piece of property, and then after that he borrows from somebody else. So I borrow from you, yeah. and I don't, I don't have any property. Or I have property, whatever it is. But then I, and I write to you that besides for the property that I may have, which doesn't lean to you, if I buy future property, that's also unlean to you. Okay. Then the next day I buy a piece of property. Now it's unlean to you. The week after that, I borrow from somebody else, and now it's unlean to him as well. But again, it was first unlean to you. Yeah. So, so the chazal of meach, I borrow from somebody else. Again, the first rights, the lien is to the first lender. If he has first rights, because the lien was established first to the first person. Not, yeah. th- not, not at the time you lent me, there was no property yet, but... At the time I bought it, the lien was established. And only after that did I borrow from the second guy. Similarly, if there's 100 people, the same thing would really apply. Okay. Now, this is all talking about land. land. How, right. However, there's no concept of first rights when it comes to movable property. Whoever comes and grabs the person's iPhone, for example, to be paid back, he has the rights to it. Even though he may be the last person online. However, what happens in an interesting scenario? We know there's a concept that you can make me an agent, a shliach, to do things free on your behalf. You could say, be my shliach to purchase, be my shliach to acquire this ownerless item from Hefker. Now, I have the right to become your shliach if it's good for you, even without being appointed. So this is an ownerless item, it's Hefker, I hereby acquire this on behalf of you. Now it's yours. I acted as your agent without being appointed, which is good because I can help you that way. That right that I have to help you in that way, even though now nobody else can grab it, that's fine because... It's, it's, you, you, it's fine. Exactly. But if I'm doing something of, of that nature in a way that I'm depriving somebody else of something that theoretically he would be, have rights to, then I can't do that. Ah, okay. So, if some random guy goes and he grabs the movable property of the borrower, and he says, I hereby pick the, acquire this item on behalf of the lender, the lender does not get it. Even though we just said a moment ago that if he comes himself and grabs it, even though he's last online, he gets to keep it, but somebody else can't do it for him. <coughs> he can't acquire it. The agent cannot yeah. acquire it, right. Even though the person himself could, yeah. right? But, the per- but you can't do it for him. Whenever a person grabs something for a lender, a person who's owed money, or creditor as it's called, right? Yeah. In a place where that thereby he's and he causes a loss to somebody else, who would have rights to it if this guy didn't come and do that? In this case, the person who's really first online, that does not work. There's a famous concept in Gemara, right? So therefore, it wouldn't work. Now, mind you, if the, the person, for example, who, um, uh, who grabbed it is himself a creditor, he's himself a lender. So uh, let's say the guy last online, or even the guy who's, let's say, not last in line. He's in the middle of the line, if you will, right? We talked about who is an order of hierarchy of you know, people yeah. who are borrowing. So he grabs and he says, I am acquiring this on behalf of the guy who's last online. If he wanted to grab it for himself, he's, he could. Mm-hmm. He's not just a random person. He's an actual creditor. So if he chooses to grab it for the, on behalf of a different creditor, that would actually work. That Adam doesn't discuss, but oh. that's talked about in the post so, but if a random person comes along and I say, I acquire this ownerless item on behalf of him, and I acquire this item that the borrower... Uh, that the borrower owns, I'm acquiring it also on behalf of him because he lent the borrower money. This would work because it's ownerless. This wouldn't work because there's somebody else who's, who has more entitled uh, to it. Aval, however, if, however, there's nobody else who's owed, it would work, right? So it's, unless there's only one lender. Yeah. Only one lender, and the guy comes along and grabs it for him, that would work. The guy can't say, Excuse me, what are you grabbing my items for the guy? What are you, what are you grabbing my things for? 
Oh yeah, I'm grabbing it for the guy who lent you money. I'm, I want to acquire it for his behalf. What are you doing here? It's none of your business. No, that's the law. He is allowed to do it. It, it, it. You can't tell him it's none of your business. At least not according to the Rambam. The chayne mama If the lender, excuse me, the borrower. If the borrower says to somebody, yeah, the borrower says, um, acquire this item on behalf of my creditor who I owe money to, even though he's last online. There's ten creditors before yeah. him, but I want you to acquire this for the guy who's last online. That works. Uh-huh. None of the other creditors can say, excuse me, I was first. He can't say this uh, movable item is mine. Because I already acquired it on behalf, it was acquired on behalf of the person who was last online. So the concept of uh, acquiring for somebody else, uh, if there's other people online, you know, it depends who's doing it for on behalf of these people, right? The guy, the, the guy could do it for himself and another creditor could do it for him and the, lend, the borrower could do it for him. But a random person can cannot. Gimel. I mean, the, the two first cases you spoke about, they, they are shluchim. They're considered shluchim, that's right. Yeah, because even though you didn't appoint me, but I can be your shliach to benefit you without being appointed. Okay. Yeah. Gimel. Shtaresh is man kulon yom echad. You have a bunch of contracts. I borrow from a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. They all bang on my door, I want the money back. And the date is the same. Or, for example, in a place where they write the time of day, it's, they all say 12 o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. Or they all say the sixth hour of the day. So who goes first? Who has their first rights? There's no first rights. They're all equal. Whoever comes and grabs first. Whether it's removal of property or land, Zacha acquires it. So the din is, is that whoever, whoever's date is, is earliest has first rights. If they're all the same date, there's no establishment of the first rights. They're all equal. Even if there's an hour. Well, if there's an hour and the hours are different, one said 10 a.m., one said 3 p.m., you would have a concept of oh. first rights. But if they wrote an, if it's a case where there's hours written and all the hours are the same, yeah. or two contracts, the hours are the same, okay. then those two are considered equal, yeah. right? So you have, let's say, five contracts against you, but two of them are the exact same date. Those are both, those, those considered, considered equal, uh, equal, equal, equal spot online. Equal number. Dalit. Right? Now, if they all come to collect together, let's keep it simple. Let's say they're going straight to the borrower. The borrower has no cash. We're all going to take land or from the guy he sold it to. It's relevant. And to be paid back. And uh, let's, uh, let's say there's not enough money to give everybody. Right? And, and, and they all have equal rights, all equal hierarchy. They all have borrowed the same day. Or, for example, he borrowed from 20 people. But then after those 20 people, he bought a farm. They all have equal rights to the farm, right? Yeah. So, or for example, he had a hierarchy of, of who comes first, but this is talking about movable property, in which case we don't care who's online first. In which case, the point is, is that they're all coming in a scenario where there's no concept of who has first rights. So how do you divide it among everybody if there's not enough for everybody? If there's enough for everyone, obviously it's not a problem, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's not enough, so um, what do you do? Again, the Ramam gives another example where he actually purchased the property after he bought from everyone. Again, these are all different various scenarios where there's no concept of who came first, who came second. We all look at them equal rights. There's not enough property or belongings for everybody to get paid back fully. And they divide it. Okay, so here's the, here's the Ramam's opinion as to how you divide it. And just outside briefly, basically the Ramam holds you take the person who's owed the least, and that common denominator amount, they're all considered equal partners in. Okay. And that's how you divide it. 
And then if there's anything left over, you do the same thing again with the person who's owed the second to least until you finish the process. Okay, how does it work? If you, if you divide the money, you, you split, let's say there's uh, five creditors, let's say three creditors, three creditors, and you divide the property in three, and you give everyone a third. Equal, equal portions. So if you do that, yeah, if you, if, you, if, if you do it in a way you divide everyone gets equal portions, and after doing that, turns out, the guy who's owed the least has gotten paid back, or, or less, then you, then you divide it in, let's say, three equal parts, everyone gets a third, and they leave. If, however, you divide it in three equal parts, and the guy who's owed the least gets more than he deserves, then you don't, that obviously is not reasonable. So, you first divide the property in a way that everyone gets their, that, 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 that equal of that lowest amount. He's going to use numbers to make it clear soon. And then you, whoever's left over after the guy who got his money leaves, you divide, you redivide it in the same process. Case for example, right? Let's make it give some numbers, give some clarity over here. There were three creditors who lent money to this guy. The first guy lent a hundred, or sorry, not the first guy. One of them lent a hundred. The other guy was owed two hundred. And the other guy was owed three hundred. And again, there's no order of hierarchy over. There's no, there's no din kadima. There's nobody who has first rights. So they all have equal rights. So it doesn't have to be the same day. No, exactly. That's the point of view, right? Because well, it has to be in a case where there's no, there's no first rights. If it wasn't all the same day, then there would be no first rights if it was movable property rather than land, or if it's a piece of land he bought after borrowing from the final person. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that there's no, no one has more rights in terms of. First, second, and third, in terms of you know their place online, mm-hmm. no one has first rights, second rights. They're all equal rights. Now, Kate, how would it work? Ruvain, let's say, was owed hundred. Shimon was owed two hundred, and Levi was owed three hundred. How much is that a total of six hundred? Correct. Yeah. What if the borrower, all of his property together, totaled a total of three hundred dollars only? So obviously, it's not enough to pay everyone back because he's owed a total. He owes a total of six hundred. This is only half of that. Then each one takes a hundred. The load, the guy who's owed least is, is owed a hundred. Divide the property into three. Everyone gets a hundred, and that's it. Similarly, let's say he had less than three hundred. So it's three hundred or less. Divide the property into equal parts. Everyone gets their part. Okay, so that's that's the first the first example. So this way, you use the person who's owed the least as the model in terms of how to divide it. What if the property of the borrower was more than 300? Then So what you do is, the, first per, the person who's owed the least, he's owed 100. So they're all owed at least 100. In that part, they're the same. So you take $300 worth of the property, not all the property, but just $300 worth, divide into three parts, everyone gets 100. And if there's more? There is more. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do that in a second. Everyone gets a hundred. The Salak Valamea, the guy who's owed a hundred, he got his hundred, and he goes and he leaves. And the rest of it is divided between the other two remaining people. Equally. In the same fashion. Well, we'll see. We'll second. Kate What if, for example, there was five hundred dollars worth total? Or maybe less than five hundred. But there was more than three hundred. So you first you take three hundred dollars worth of the property. Divided in equal three three parts equally, which is a hundred part hundred dollars each. The Stalakha, the one guy who's owed a hundred, has his he's happy, he leaves. Now, how much is remaining? Let's say for, let's say there's a total of 
right. So it's two hundred left. Right. The and there and now you take the two hundred remaining. You divide it equally. Or or if it's less than two hundred, let's say it was four fifty. You divide it. You know, seventy five dollars each. Bishav equally. The second guy leaves. Okay. So, uh, and the third guy as well would get would, would, would only get the same amount. So in this, let's say for example is five hundred. Each one gets a hundred. The guy who's owed a hundred leaves. The the person owed two hundred and the person owed three hundred have a hundred only. So the person who fifty each. Right. The person who's owed two hundred says, "I want another hundred. The person who's owed three hundred says, "I want another two hundred. But there's only two hundred dollars worth of property left over here. Mm-hmm. So we give a hundred to the person who's owed two hundred because again, in the two hundred element, they're both the same. Mm-hmm. We give it to him. He leaves. There's a hundred remaining, and he that goes to the person who's owed three hundred, and he's now uh, one hundred dollars less than he was before. But that's the best we can do for him. Nim to over here. Obviously, it's easy if there's a total of six hundred. So that's or to, or if there was let's the point is that there's more than it's between five hundred and six hundred. So there's uh, if it's mamish six hundred, it's obviously simple. That's how much the guy owes. That that would be easy. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's he needs more than five hundred, less than six hundred. So chalak and shalosh meis for shabbi divide again the same way. The three hundred you divide equally among the the first, second, third person. Bisalak ba'alamon of the guy who's owed a hundred leaves. And then you divide the two hundred equally among the guy who's owed two, the guy who's owed three. So the guy who's owed two hundred has his two hundred and he leaves. He's happy. And he leaves. And the hundred remaining, or maybe it's only ninety-five remaining, whatever it is, that goes to the guy who's owed three hundred. Therefore, he has only three hundred. Only meaning, if it's let's say ninety-five, he means three hundred as a figurative number. Point is, is that you divide it among the lowest common denominator and keeping everyone equal. And this is way you would go if, if there's a hundred people, when they come to collect simultaneously. So if he owes you a hundred million dollars and he owes me fifty dollars, and there's a piece of property worth a hundred dollars, you don't say you get ninety percent, I only get ten percent because you owe so much more. No, we divide it equally. Fifty-fifty. Right. Or let's say, for example, the property was worth um, let's say he owes me a hundred and he owes you a million, and the property is worth a hundred and seventy-five. Right? Or the property is worth 180. So we both get 90. Right? Yeah. right? Um, if he owes me 100, he owes you a million, and the property is worth 210, I get 100. And you got 210. No, 110. The property is worth yeah, 210. 110. 110, yeah. So that's, that's okay. Now, that's the Ramah's opinion. Some of the Ghanim instruct, however, that you, you do proportionally based on, their, based on their credit. So our example was he owed this guy 100. And he owed him 200. He owed the third guy 300. And the, the property total, let's say, was, for example, and let's say the property total is only $300. So we said, what do you do? Everyone gets 100. And the guy who owed two hundred is hundred dollars out. The guy who was owed three hundred is two hundred dollars out. But that's how we divide equally, right? Yeah. Other people say no. If he owes him hundred, him two, and him three, it's only three hundred dollars worth of property. So the guy who's owed hundred gets fifty. The guy who's owed two hundred gets hundred. The guy who's owed three hundred gets one fifty proportionately. Yeah, yeah. That's how they, they, they hold you do that. But that's not the Ram's opinion. All right. That's a geonim. Who has a geonim? Uh, the Rambam's terminology, Ga'inim, means anybody who, from the time of the end of the, of the Gemara 
until the Rambam. Oh. That's what the Rambam means when he says Goinim. But, but you know, in our lexicon, it could be a little, a little different. Basically, basically, we differentiate Goinim from Rishonim. But in the Rambam's times, writing on Goin meant really was no difference between Goinim and Rishonim. I mean, wait, he's referring to Rabbeinu Hananel, who we would call a Rishon, not a Goin. I mean, he was a Goin in terms of Lundus, but the Goin was Reb Haigon, Reb Sadigon. Famous people are called Reb Sadigon. It's a term. It's a term we use for that era, Chum of that era. In our lexicon, Rabbeinu Hananel would be called a Rishon, one of the early Rishonim. The Rambam calls him Goinim because at that time there was no. no both of them are owed money by Levi. They both lent Levi money. Ruven and Ruven says he lent the money on Hey Nisan. Shimon says just Nisan. Doesn't say what day it was. Was it Dalab Nisan, Hey Nisan, Vav Nisan? It makes a big difference. If it was Dalab Nisan, then he has first rights before Ruven. If it was Vav Nisan, he then Ruven has first rights before him. And if it was Hanes, then they both have equal rights, but it doesn't know a date. Now, Levi only has one field, and it's not enough to pay, back, pay them both back. And they both, of course, want it. So, who gets it? Excuse me. We allow Ruvain to get the field. Because Ruvain can say, maybe Shimon Star was the end of Nisan, was Vav Nisan after mine. And therefore, uh, I, Ruvain, have first rights to it. Now, you might ask, why can't the borrower tell Ruvain, uh, maybe Shimon Star is first, therefore you don't, you don't, you don't have rights to, 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 to take it. And then tell Shimon, maybe Ruvain Star is first, and therefore you don't have rights to take it. So that's a good question. But in any event, the point is we don't, we don't say that. We don't make them, you know, give a power of attorney one to the other. Uh, we do give it to Ruvain. All right. And we say that we let Ruvain take it because he has a definite date. And we could say maybe Shimon Star was after his his star, and that's not just because, not just because it was Hey Nissan, and from the majority of days of Nissan, the most of them are after Hey rather than before Hey. It's uh, the Smash says even if Ruven's star was uh, was Chavches Nissan, because um, we could say maybe Shimon is Chavtes. In any event, because he has a definite date, we let him take the field. And the same thing would be, mind you, if Levi, if that one field Levi had, he sold it off to somebody else. And the Ruven and Shimon are both coming to grab the field from the purchaser, right? So again, Ruven has first rights to the field. All right. Now, the chain similarly, another case. Um, oh, mind you, by the way, if... Uh, yeah, okay, good. The chain similarly... If, if, uh, if, if, if Levi had sold that field to somebody else, Ruven and Shimon are both fighting over whose field it is. If it was sold during Nisan, so again, we would give it to Ruven because his star says, hey, Nisan. And maybe Shimon's was only Vav Nisan or later, and therefore, Ruven has first rights. But the simply, what happens if the field that Levi sold, um, if Levi sold the field, oh, yeah, two, so in this case, Levi had two fields actually. One field he kept, and one field he sold during year. That's what's happening over here in this new case of Echein. Levi had two fields, one field he kept, one field he sold during year. So any, that field he sold during year, um, if he had two fields and he kept one, he sold one during Nisan, so then Ruven would have rights to the one that he kept, and Shimon would have to go fight with the purchaser. But if, 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 if Levi had two fields and he kept one and he sold the second one during year or any time after year, so Shimon is not able to grab that field. Right? So Ruben's going to go to 
Reuven's going to go to Levi and say, I, my star says, hey, Nisan. Shimon's star doesn't say any date, it just says Nisan general. So I have first rights, like we said in the first part of the halacha. So I'm going to take this field from Levi. Let Shimon go fight with the guy who bought the field from Levi. And Levi, uh, Shimon comes to this guy who bought the field during a year, and he wants to take it. Now the buyer is going to tell Shimon, no, you can't have a field. But the buyer tells him, maybe your field really is Aleph Nisan, before Shimon's, before Ruven's, excuse me. And there's a field that that was Bascher was free, meaning it wasn't sold, it was still in the hands of the borrower, in the hands of Levi. Uh, that field uh, that, that Ruvain took from Levi, that's really supposed to be yours. And after uh, that, that's really supposed to be yours. So you should take that field from Ruvain. And Ruvain, who borrowed after you, because maybe your star is Alephness and his star is Hanison, and he's supposed to come to, to me and say, excuse me, um, this field is mine. Because I uh, took a field from Levi as repayment. And this field that he sold... And that, that, however, that field that took his repayment, says Ruvain, was taken away from me by Shimon because he, his star date was prior to mine. Now, Mr. Burgesser, I'm taking this field from you as repayment for, for the field that I was supposed to get that was taken away from me from Shimon. That's what would happen if we could prove Shimon's star was before Ruvain. So the, so the buyer, the purchaser, is telling Shimon that what's supposed to be happening over here is, is that you're supposed to take the field from Ruvain, and he's supposed to come take this field from me. It's his rights. And therefore, you don't have a right to take it. That's what the purchaser would tell Shimon. The fichin, therefore, im Reuven and Shimon, mind you, if Reuven came, the purchaser would tell him the same thing. He would say, maybe Shimon has the rights to it, so you can't take it. So the fichin, therefore, im Reuven and Shimon would give a power of attorney to each other. Then they can both get the field, that this field that had been sold by Levi during year or any time after year, they have the rights because they're coming together as one power to grab the field. What happens the same thing if Levi sold one field two times? He wanted double money, so he sold it twice. To different people. One star says Nisan, and one star says Nisan Stam. So we give the the field to the person who says uh, hey, Nisan, because maybe the person who says Nisan Stam was after that. He bought a field which was already, which, which was already purchased, um, etc. And then, and then if uh, the same th- procedure would work uh, in that situation.